my so, audio good? Your audio's good. So uh, are we going to uh, talk about the weather for an hour? Or, uh, oh, yeah. Or are we going to get down long, to business? Long, long walk at <laughs> Wasega Beach in the weather. Yeah, 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 That's, yeah, this yeah. is what Aaron wants to discuss. Like, man, it was so uh, it's hot. True. I was walking I, was, I got my notes. Okay, we did our – we got the weather talk is out, so we're good. We're rocking. This is but how we I banter. Know. This is how we banter. This is how we build a following, Aaron. I get it. It's, it's all so, about momentum. So, uh, it was on the beach, you know, and then uh, it was walking. It was hot out. You know, this is my life right now. I'm Aaron. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Seriously. I'm Aaron. All right, well, <laughs> so, Toma, I want to thank you very much for coming on. I know we uh, had to rearrange a couple of days, but at least we were able to lock it down. Uh, I really wanted to bring you on because you are the guy that revitalized my jiu-jitsu career if you would call it that, because there was a point where I was like not training at all. And I was happening work across the street for like five years before I walked in the door and I was like, all right, here, I'm, I want to train and get back to it. And I, and I'm always really appreciative of that. So I want to thank you right now for that. But basically what Aaron's trying to tell you is you, you saved his life. (laughs) I've been told that before. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't know by that comment, Aaron. If you're trying to like, if you're trying to blow up my gym or what you're trying to do, but <laughs> I think I'll take that as a compliment. But uh, you're always a pleasure to have, man. It's uh, it's been a while now, but uh, it's funny. I was listening to um, Marco's podcast you guys did with him actually today while I was having a going for a run, and uh, it's crazy when you look back and you think how old we all are, especially like him and I. We're both around in that 45 years old and you've been around pretty long too and I remember when you came to evolution for the first time and god we've already been in the new place what four years so yeah at least four or five now I think or, crazy yeah time's yeah. flying no it's, it's been a, it's been a ride that's for sure and then especially now that nobody's really training or everybody's like trying to get back into some form of normal Right. So like, I know there's like underground role sessions going on, but, uh, we don't, we don't discuss that, Aaron. We don't don't discuss it, but (laughs) (laughs) no, no, not at all. Tony said too much. You said too much about it. We're like, no, not happening. Don't worry. But, um, no, like how things have been going with you so far. Like, I know we've been chatting through the, like the the zoom call once a week, which I think has been nice because it at least keeps people like connected to some extent if they haven't seen each other in a while. Um, I guess there's, there's two answers to that, the personal, and then I guess kind of the the professional side of it. It's tough for me, man. Like, I mean, I, I still thank God. Um, I I do have a day job as well. So, um, that's been consistent and it's probably been busier than ever through all of this because my company actually is a safety supply company. So we actually deal with all kinds of, you know, COVID related or emergency preparedness stuff. Um, but it's, it's weird because I used to, I was always been work from home and then I would travel a lot. So I'd be either, you know, driving a far distance or on a plane, going to meetings or conferences, whatever the case is. And then work stayed as busy, if not busier, but I'm literally in an office at home, four walls and, you know, the wife and kids are downstairs and being somebody who I would self-diagnose myself as somewhat ADD. It's, it's crazy. Like I've I've been starting to go squirrely and I need to go for a run or get out and go for a bike ride just to get some sanity. But, um, 
it's getting to that tipping point. I'm not going to lie. Uh, like today before the podcast, actually, uh, my kids' soccer started back today and they're doing like only practices and they're allowed nine kids to one coach and they have to follow all the rules. But it was nice just to take them there and, and be at the park and whatever, scrolling through my phone, watching him play soccer, whatever the case is. But some sort of normality again. It's And you can tell everybody's uh, itching for it. But I guess that's kind of from a personal perspective. Um, it's been really tough with the gym. I mean, uh, I've been listening to all your guys' podcasts. You guys are doing a great job with that. Um, and, and I hear all the different, you know, friends of mine you've had on and colleagues and, and whatnot. And, and everyone's having a hard time with the gyms, right? It's, um, I haven't been as lucky as some of the guests that were on the podcast talking about, um, you know, good property managers. We've been hit pretty hard with it. We didn't get any relief. So thank God we're in the news. Like for anyone who doesn't know, we used to be at about 10,000 square feet. And when we kind of went more boutique BJJ, uh, thank God that that was the case because I can't imagine having that overhead right now. It'd, it'd be a totally different ball game. But um, everyone's itching to get back, and I feel like we're right on that cusp of somewhat understanding what that'll look like, or at least ideas floating around and whatnot. But um, you know, there, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, it seems, and I think you know we've probably got about another month till people really lose their minds. So hopefully, we can you know beat that beat that August 1st or mid-August date, hopefully in July, which is what I'm hearing, but I'm um, feeling it, man. There, there, there's a mental health component to it too, you know, just that, that happiness and not snapping as quickly. And, and I hope, you know, it's not just me, it's people at the gym. We talk to them, the Zoom calls, and, you know, hopefully we can get everybody back to that kind of place that makes them happy. It's a stress releaser and, you know, we keep our, our bodies and our brains stimulated that way, right? So, uh, it's tough, but, you know, I echo a lot of the comments. People have been answering that question to you guys on the podcast. It's uh, it's unique, and, you know, they use that phrase unprecedented, and that's exactly what it is, but uh, we're figuring it out, and I hope there's, you know, there's some sort of, I don't even know what the word is, but somewhat, you know, getting back to normal like it was before this and not, you know, actually living a different normal I guess for lack of a better term right nobody knows what that's going to look like but things aren't going to be the same but you start to wonder is it just they're not going to be the same for a while is it a year will it ever go back there's that whole unknown right so uh yeah I'm curious and anxious at the same time I was going to ask you um you so you were located with Evolution BJJ now you're located inside Element Cross CrossFit just from a business standpoint are you um subleasing from them and, and are they having issues with their landlord and tenant and all that and that's a big yeah mess so, going yeah, you're, you're spot on so when we <clears throat> when we separated from evolution um way back and just went strictly bjj um element started subleasing for us so alex who's the uh, element owner he's fantastic guy he is incredible he's done so much for him and uh god bless him he, he's a, a great I'll call him a landlord, a direct landlord, but you know, his landlord is, it's a big commercial name and they just don't want to take the time. You know, that area where we're at, I think it's a 3% vacancy rate within industrial buildings. So like trying to get a spot, even if you wanted to, especially in our, in our business, it's, it's next to impossible if you want to stay within that, that local area. But uh, he's been awesome, but you know, his landlord hasn't been the greatest to be honest. Gotcha. So it's just like 
touch and go, but you guys have been, we've been able to stay afloat and we have plans for the future, which is good. I mean, the biggest thing is I think when we, especially when you move from that big location and then it was going strictly more for you guys only. Yeah. I mean, it's what I wanted. Like I love crew Gerald, him and I, you know, always got along and my roots 21 years ago started in his gym and uh, you know, we had a great five years together and, and he, you know, brought me in as a business partner and we get along really well today, but I just felt like we were at a point and growing big enough where we needed to just be able to focus, have four walls around us. You know, I love all martial arts, but martial arts are conducted differently, right? Some's with loud music and, and banging bags, which is great. I, I love, you know, I come from Muay Thai roots too, but when you want to be in a very intimate kind of BJJ mindset setting, you know, learning and trying to absorb and then apply, it's, uh, it's different. So, you know, we're very cordial and, I think it was a great move for both of us and, you know, coming into this space, it, it's what Dave and I always talked about. We wanted something boutique. Um, and then, you know, we're not in a huge space, but our numbers are, are, are big for considering the mass space we have. And, and I like it, right. You're always kind of that, it's that double-edged sword. Do you want to go bigger and then, you know, expand and then take on all of that, you know, added work and whatnot, or you just kind of want to keep it, intimate and, and have that kind of culture that you're really striving for. So it's uh, it's a little bit of a push pull, but uh, really happy with where we are and how things are going for sure. Yeah. Especially when you get to those bigger locations, you kind of lose that <laughs> element of like keeping that, that atmosphere, right. Where everybody's kind of in the same groove. And if it spreads out too far, then you just don't get that same type of element. Sometimes I believe. Yeah, no, for sure. And Aaron, you know, Mike, you know, well, too, like, we're, especially Dave and I, we're, BJJ is kind of our love, our passion. And even though we do train people for MMA, and they come and do camps with us and whatnot, it's jujitsu specific. Um, and it's, that's what we wanted to do, right? We wanted to take people, you know, it's kind of like a yoga studio that you're there to do yoga, right? And mm -hmm. nothing against gyms who cross train and whatnot. It's just, you know, we decided that's what we want to do, have kind of a bit of a boutique feel to it. And yeah, I think that created the culture that we have there today and, and people are happy with that. So, you know, all the power to everybody who wants kind of that mix. But um, I really love the fact that I know everybody's coming there that day to train BJJ and even though you never really do it, you see your student over, you know, doing the, the, the boxing class, you're like, hey, how come you're not in my class, right? So it's, it's always been a little bit of a, a push-pull, but <clears throat> it's what we wanted to do, and, and we're super happy with what's going on right now. Yeah, no, I, I love that atmosphere. It's great. So especially, like, kind of like you were saying, like, your roots were originally Muay Thai. So, like, how did you even, like, get – your toe dipped into the BJJ circuit was it just kind of like you saw it it was like one of those things because I like I know your roots are like connected with mine especially when it came from like the shilling and the crankle bearing and all that kind of stuff so but I don't know like the whole story so there goes Aaron there. dip dip talk about with Sega Beach once again we're just locks on the beach but yeah so we want to know uh, your or your origin how'd you get started into martial arts yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I'm kind of proud of the story. It, it, I kind of stumbled upon it, to be quite honest. So I was working in the late 90s. I was working in Etobicoke, living in Oakville. Um, and I was working midnight shift. And a bunch of us at, the, at, the, at work wanted to um, 
want to do martial arts in the morning after work. So actually, I'll backpedal a little bit. When I was just after high school, I, I got into some bad eating habits, bad lifestyle, going to the pool hall, drinking dozens of beers. And at one point, I ended up almost 270 pounds. So I <clears throat> wanted to do, I quit smoking. I was like, I was always an athlete kind of growing up. And then I got into a bit of a rut for a couple of years smoking cigarettes, eating bad, <clears throat> bad lifestyle. So it was a New Year's resolution, 97 going on 98. And, and I said, that's it. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to get clean. I'm going to get in shape. So I lost basically 100 pounds in a year. I went to the gym every morning after work, went for a jog before I went to bed because I work in the night shift. And then I, I did the weight loss. And then that's when I wanted more, right? I was like, okay, this is great. But you know, I want something more. And, and to be honest, I always, even though like I played football, I played high level hockey, I was always competitive, but I always had a fear of, of, of um, confronting somebody. Like if, if there was a situation, even though I was, you know, usually in good shape or a bigger guy, I, I didn't like it. I, there was that flight versus fight and you know, I, I, I always wanted to do the flight. Even if I didn't do it, that was the, my natural instinct, right? So nature versus nurture. Um, and then, so I said, you know what? I'm in shape now. I want to take it to the next level. I want to learn. I was, I was in my 20s then. And I was like, you know what? I want to be Steven Seagal. I want to go to a, be able to go to a bar and haul some ass, right? It was, <laughs> was the real, the mindset, right? But um, so that's when I started after work. I found, so it was the original MAFA. It was at the Dunwin buildings at, uh, at Dixie and, and Dundas, pretty much. So um, I talked to Gerald at the time or one of his instructors, and he said, hey, if you can get enough people, I'll open the gym in the morning and do a class. It'll be to make it worthwhile. So I got like 12, 15 people together at work. We committed to it, and we started training Muay Thai. So I got into it. I loved it. You know, we were training every day and then I started coming in the evenings before I went to work and then I ended up starting, I started competing in it. And that's when I first met Crew Gerald. So I remember one day we were doing a class and in walks in Slavko Ilich and Mark Bocek. So Mark Bocek was, he just came back from California. He was training with Hickson down there and uh, Hickson's, you know, rest in peace, uh, Hoxson. Hawks and Gracie, his son who passed away, they were training together. And Slavko was really good friends with Hickson as well. And uh, they came into Moffar gym to do a demo. So it was all carpets in the gym and um, there was a boxing ring. So I remember seeing Mark Bocek and, you know, God, he was a teenager at the time, maybe 130 pounds soaking wet. I thought if I saw this kid in a bar, I'd just crush him right and that kid messed me up and I, I stayed connected with Mark after and, and we've talked about it before but he put me in in pretzel after pretzel after pretzel <laughs> and I couldn't do anything and I was I theoretically I should have been able to destroy him right but I didn't know what jiu-jitsu was nobody really did it was it was 1999 right so um from that day I was hooked Slavko ended up um starting to teach out of Mafa with Gerald and then I started with him under Hicks and Gracie. And then I ended up getting, um, I ended up at a cool journey with him. I mean, Slavko, he was, you know, a little AWOL once in a while. He'd come and go, but, you know, me and the students kept on training. And I actually had the opportunity to go down with Slavko and go to Hickson's house and do privates in his garage and go train with Hawkson and, and all of that, which was, you know, one of the greatest, in my opinion, stories I've ever had or opportunities I've ever had. 
Um, and then he, he kind of went missing. So um, I was a Hickson at the time. I, I'm assuming he still has the same belt um, system where you're a white belt, a blue stripe, a blue belt, a purple stripe, a purple belt. So there was only the, the one upcoming stripe to your belt. So um, I was a blue stripe under, under Hickson. Um, and then Slavko went AWOL. He, he's gone. So me and a couple of the hardcore students who were really like hooked on it, we were training at Premier Fitness. And then after a while, I, I knew he wasn't coming back. And that's where I found Scott Schilling. So started training with Scott. Um, and Scott was under Silvio at the time. So I got my blue belt, purple belt, and brown belt <clears throat> under Silvio and Scott together. Um, and then that's kind of where Scott and Silvio had their falling out. And that's where our synergies are, Aaron, with, uh, you know, Marco and I were, we were teammates and monkey and, you know, we'd go to the off stuff, young street there and go train in the dungeon and mm -hmm. Silvio would come. It was awesome. It was, it was such a cool time. It was, it was legendary really like so many incredible pioneers of the sport. And, and, you know, now they're all telling their story, like I'm telling mine, but, um, <clears throat> Yeah, then Scott and Silvio split um, when I was a brown belt, and I stayed with Scott. You know, Silvio was in Brazil. Um, Scott was still local. Scott and I had a great relationship at the time, and I was his senior student. Um, so I ended up staying there, and I got my black belt from Scott in 20, the beginning of 2011. Uh, no, sorry, the end of 2010. And uh, <clears throat> about a year and a bit after that, him and I had a bit of a fallout, some business conflict of interests. Um, and that's when I found Hobson Mora. And now I've been with Hobson for, God, nine years now. Um, greatest thing I ever did, in my opinion, and in terms of, you know, really defining where I want to go, what associa association I want to be with. And, you know, you you went with us last year, Aaron, down in Tampa. We have a yeah. camp there every year. We have a camp in Canada. So, yeah, that's kind of my story, about 21 years worth of, um, you know, going through it. But it was, it was really different because, um, you know, when I was from white belt to brown belt, you could train three classes a week. That's what there was. And when I started training jujitsu, you know, there was the, you know, the oddball, you know, black belt somewhere, but, you know, blue belt was pretty much the highest average instruction in Canada. There was like Scott and Bocek and Omar and, um, you know, Marco and Shaw. And then there was Jeff Jocelyn, kind of that generation. Um, and then I was kind of right behind them one belt. And uh, it's funny because, you know, you talk about, all these killers on the mats and competition training and whatnot. Like, you know, you're, you're growing like this and these guys are just catching you because there's three, four five black belts on a mat and seven days a week, multiple classes a day at your disposal. It was just, a, it was a different time. It was very different. Um, a lot more traditional, um, you know, obviously coming from the bearing system for so many years, I was very self-defense focused. Um, and we still are today, and that, that's a big thing in our club, and that's how people come in. That's what they're introduced to. The kids' program is very heavy in that. Um, but, yeah, just it's, uh, it's been an evolution, no pun intended, but um, uh, it's been awesome to watch this, this, this community grow and having all these great people on podcasts and seeing great people do great things for the sport and the community. It's, it's absolutely awesome, especially – you know, being in my mid-40s now and watching all the younger generation have this opportunity, it's, it's pretty cool. Okay. So you, um, 
So you left um, Silvio, Bear, Silvio Bearing, uh, Scott Schilling. You're going through, you're researching all the names of like all these world champions. So I guess why Hobson Mora? What, what drew you to that one name? So two things. Um, a year prior to affiliating, I went to – so <clears throat> Dom, um, Dom from Grants or um, – in Scarborough there, he, uh, um, he's, he's been under Hobson for a while. So he had a seminar the year before I actually affiliated and I went to the seminar. So Scott, Sam, and I went to the seminar just kind of as guests. So I knew of Hobson, like obviously a legend, um, you know, between him and Shaolin and probably Gustavo Dantes, Leo Vieira kind of created that whole Novanyal brand or, or really grew it and, uh, went to his seminar, uh, we clicked, and then I ended up pursuing him after when I decided I wanted to reaffiliate with somebody. And I love this jujitsu, I love his personality. Um, he has a manager, um, Doug Kimball, who um, at the time and, and still kind of quasi is, was Hobson's manager for the affiliation. Um, and I loved that when I talked to Doug, it wasn't a, hey, pay your dues and come join. It was a, Hey, are you a fit for the brand that we believe in? And, and, you know, the relationship that we want to have with any school that's an affiliate, right? It was, it wasn't, it was quality versus quantity. Right. And mm -hmm. I love Hobson. I loved his jujitsu. I loved that Dom was there. We kind of had a Canadian counterpart. Um, and then I still wasn't accepted right away. Hobson the following year when he came up for Dom's seminar, he said, listen, you know, let's do a private before the seminar. And that was kind of my interview process. He was like, I remember you. I like you. But, you know, I need to I want to spend another hour with you. I want to test your jujitsu. Um, you know, that's, you're already a black belt going in an association. That's a big thing to accept somebody to put your brand on that person. And, you know, if they're not worthy of it, then, you know, that's your brand that you're jeopardizing there. Right. So. <clears throat> Um, so then we did a private for an hour and we rolled and he messed me up, but we had some really good roles. Um, and then we talked after and he was like, you know, in that, that Portuguese accent, I, you know, I really like your jujitsu. I, I like your foundation. You know, you're a nice guy. I'd love for you to join the organization. And that's kind of when we, we put the stamp on it. Nice. So what year was that? When did that happen? So that would have been 20... 11. Okay. 2011, yeah. And that's kind of like when you guys moved into the Evolution uh, place across the street? So, yeah, that was right around then. So, I was – I started teaching – so, the story gets even more complex. Uh, when I was a brown belt <laughs> four stripes, I ended up changing careers. And to, to do the career change that I wanted to do, I needed to kind of – take a step back financially to get some experience to start moving up the ladder. Right. So when that happened, um, my wife was pregnant. She was uh, about to go on mat leave and I took a substantial financial cut going to this new company to, to pursue this new career. So I knew Gerald had opened up a Muay Thai gym there on Ridgeway close to where we are now, Aaron, just a little bit South. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so I connected with him, I went there and, you know, we were always friends from Mafa back in 99 
and I knew he didn't have a program. I know Rory, Rory McDonald was teaching some no-gi there at the time, but I went to Gerald and I said, hey, hey, gee, you know, I, I'd love to start, you know, teaching gi Brazilian jiu-jitsu here. And then he was like, you know, um, I can't really afford to pay you right now, this and that. So I said, listen, so, you know, let me start teaching. Let me build up the class sizes. Once we get to X amount of new students, then pay me this dollar mountain once we get to the next level. And it was a sliding scale, right? So there's no risk for him. And the onus was on me to build up clientele basically for him. So just started snowballing. I was still a brown belt, um, ended up getting my black belt, um, and then when we went into the, the next evolution, which was the big spot across from lifetime there, um, you know, that's when Gerald kind of had a falling out with his ex-girlfriend and, and he wanted me to become a partner in the business. So that's when that whole thing kind of started. And then it just never ended. We kept growing and growing and growing. Awesome. So how, how many years have we been doing camps with Hobson now? So it's been like at least six, seven now, or, or is it less um, than that? The Canadian or the Tampa? The Canadian, the Canadian one, sorry. Because they've been doing the Tampa one for eight years. Yeah, this year would have been our seventh, but okay. it obviously didn't happen because of COVID. Yeah. So we're always one year back. So you guys yeah, going no. this year or – oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> you know what if if it's happening i'm going but it's a little bit scary because he's in florida and florida is like the epicenter right now in the u.s for for that second wave but probably not mike to be honest like if you're, <laughs> no, gonna, be, if you're gonna be real it's it's probably not happening but um you never know with the americans right they're pretty hardcore yeah no it'd be awesome to go but i saw the numbers today and they jumped up to 10 10k for one day i'm like oh, i don't know about that one <laughs> yeah it's, it's that's a tough one to explain to the wife for sure yeah i think i'm gonna set this one out <laughs> you'd have to quarantine for like 14 days anyways and you come back yeah it's like, true enough. <laughs> that's the issue yeah. traveling anywhere right now because we had a janine on our previous podcast and she was talking about taking a super fight in california but she went to California, she left for a week, did a, you know, did a fight there and then came back. She'd have to isolate for 14 days and then she can't work. And it's like, it's basically, you go on vacation for a week, but then you have to take another two weeks off yeah. on top of the, the week that you're trying to get away for. So Yeah, you rip, like, you rip through your it? year's vacation for one super fight, basically. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so going to the the Hobson camp, I'll be honest, in, the, in Florida was awesome because it was, like, really wide, eye-opening. Like, how many actual affiliates drive down to that one epic center, which is pretty amazing, like, how many they have. But we, how many affiliates do we have in Canada? Only three or? Three affiliates in Canada. So Sandro, Dom, and myself. Um, and Dave, obviously. Um, and then I believe, don't quote me, I think there's 53 globally, something in, something in that ballpark. Um, but yeah, it's, it, you saw it firsthand there, and it's pretty crazy. Like, I've been every year. I missed the first one because I wasn't an affiliate that year, and I've been to everyone after, and I've had the privilege of teaching at many of them. Um, but it's crazy. Like, you've got guys like Shaolin was teaching one year there. Gustavo Dantas was there. Bruno Bastos was there. Ricardo Dementia Brew from the UFC was there. Like, all of these. It, it's 
and, and those are like big names, never mind like the dozens and dozens of black belts from around the world that are teaching or just their training or supporting or whatnot. So it's pretty cool. You're in a room of about 200 people, probably 30 black belts. And it's just information, information, rolling, you know, take as much as you want, sit out as much as you want, no obligation. It's yours to, to take in however you want. But um, it, it's something, man. It's really, uh, and again, you were there last year and you can attest to it, but, um, you know, you can go there. If you want to go there and prepare for the world, that's usually just after. That's, you couldn't be at a better spot just to get your, your conditioning up and, and pick as many brains as you could possibly imagine. Yeah, no, it's pretty uh, amazing training there. I had such a blast. Like, the weather was great. Like, I could see why Florida and, like, that type of atmosphere is a great spot to go train jiu-jitsu, go to the beach if you can, all that kind of stuff. Like, just get that that vibe. It was awesome. Yeah, you get it all. You get your jits in. You get that vacation kind of sense in. You can go early. You can stay late. Like, you can make of it what you want, but it's, uh, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it all, you know, the stars align in terms of logistics and it's a super fun time. You get a good bunch of guys like we had uh, last year and you have some drinks at night and you have some laughs and it's, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. But you want to stay away from the pork dish for whatever Matt had. <laughs> because, <laughs> oh my God. So um, Mike, I gotta tell you this. So we go to, was it a Thai restaurant? That was well, you're going to have to tell me. Yeah. I'm I'm not a part of the uh, the Hobson Mora affiliation. So no, I'm going to tell you. Have you have to give me right? some insider information on what happened. Dude, we thought the guy was dead. We thought he was dead. <laughs> yeah. we, we sent maids to his room to check on him because we thought he might have died. Go ahead, Aaron. So, so <laughs> this is a Saturday. No, this or this is the Friday training day. So there's a Thai restaurant. So everybody's going to get lunch and all that kind of stuff. So we're like, okay, we'll go get Thai food and all that jazz. Everybody at the table gets pad Thai, right? Just to keep it simple, nice and easy meal. You can't mess up pad Thai. Matt gets some like pork or beef pate meal or something. Something I don't even know know what he got. And it looked weird. It smelled weird. I don't even think he ate even half of it, right? So we're like, okay, everybody goes back to training, the whole thing. Saturday morning happens. Matt's like, I'm not coming. He said, so I call you because we're going to like, okay, we're getting in the car. We have to call the car down. He's like, Matt said, go without him. He's going to meet us there. He's going to take an Uber. We're like, okay, no problem. We go, but we don't hear anything from Matt through the entire text message. Like texting him. He's not picking up our texts because you could see it on Facebook if they read your message or whatever. So we're like, did this guy die? You got to put in perspective. Like the morning goes by. He said he's going to take an Uber. Doesn't come. So, you know, we trained probably about four hours now. We're at lunch. I'm texting. Um, Matt's, the other Matt's texting. Aaron's texting. We're like, he's not even looking. Like, okay, maybe he fell asleep because he said he wasn't feeling well. Now we're at the end of the day. It's like five o'clock. We're like getting a bite afterwards. Like, this guy's like, they were calling the hotel. They're like, can you go into this room and see if this guy's like alive? Like we were, we were genuinely scared. It was, it was terrible, but that was, to say the least, he basically, he had the, the Floridian diet. Let's call it that. Oh, yeah. Where he was, he was really cleansing. 
So we, he is alive, though, right? So we can oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's just make sure, because then, then we just look like dicks. It's like, oh, by the way, we found him. <laughs> we found him in the hotel room. But the training was, was really awesome. good, so that's all but that matters. the training was amazing. <laughs> well, but we, we brought back a body, but. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was, it was kind of scary, though, because it's it like there's no response. But then it was like, again, we were also just like, is he mad at us? Like, because we left without him or whatever. <laughs> Did we hurt his feelings? Is oh. he hurt? <laughs> Did Aaron say things. something stupid about the beach again? I don't no, know. I no. What's going on? <laughs> Dipping toes. <laughs> Dipping toes in the water. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you because you talked about like you changed careers and all that kind of, is that the modeling career that you were oh, doing? Oh, God. <laughs> Or was this something? Yeah, you had to you go were, there. Eh? You on. had to go there. You were a model. You had to go there. You were actually um, a legit model. Uh, so here's a legit. I, I don't model, know if this was a good move, Aaron. Considering like your fourth degree brown belt, this might have extended your brown belt for a year. This question, but um, yeah. So I got ridiculed on the mats for that for years. I uh, I did that for years as well on the side and did some traveling with it and whatnot. So um, I'm not going to get too in-depth about it, but uh, it was a thing. And uh, it's funny because when I was doing that, the people I was with couldn't believe that I grappled. And when I was grappling, the people I was grappling with couldn't believe I did that. So it was kind of living two different lives and they didn't really coincide with each other, but uh, <laughs> it was a thing, yeah. Were you modeling in Europe and were you the next Derek Zoolander? Um, I did go for a bit and no, I was not the next Derek. I was a little bit above him, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it, was, uh, it, was, it was mostly Toronto based. I did go to Italy for a bit, but whatever. I just, uh, I was making some extra money. The money's really good when you're working and uh, I figured why not. Now we have a, hey. a, vi a video podcast for two, pe two uh, people are hosting it that faces for radio. Can you give us a quick blue steel? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When Aaron's editing, I'm sure he'll catch a clip and he'll, uh, he'll, he'll do yeah, a little I'll, bit of Photoshop I'll, I'll, on I'll find one and I'll just pop it in there. <laughs> how, about a, how about a La Tigra? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Derek, you're doing it. You're doing it. That's perfect. <laughs> No, Aaron uh, does a good one though. He did one in Tampa. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Let's see it right now. No. <laughs> so, because um, I know you have one of those Louis Vuitton bags. So, do you wear that better, or does Gordon Ryan wear his better? Oh, uh, he does have the same one. Hey, man, listen, like I've I've lived with this for twenty one years in this community, <laughs> and it's it's a stigma. You can dress well and also and grapple at the same time. There's nothing wrong with it, man. Aaron, listen, it's not a purse. It's European, okay? It's, European. <laughs> it's a man bag. It's not a purse. It's European. It's That's a European right. carry all. You could say that for anything, Mike. You just call it European. You get away with anything. <laughs> Aaron's hairline. It's European. Oh, God. I think that's like, that's like Scandinavian. <laughs> Whoa, now you're insulting my people. I'm, 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 I'm a quarter Scandinavian. I'm appalled. Yeah, I, I knew oh. you couldn't be a full bread. You're too dark. I'm too dark. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Mike. We don't need Mike. Turn down the brightness now. on that. Jeez. Well, like. Uh, yeah, I don't tan anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's just a bad Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> a duh. A duh. 
I mean, all that time you spent at Wasega Beach, you you'd think you would come back and this is a little red. No, nothing. <laughs> nothing. I mean, I stayed in the shade. I was good. Do you just so turn into had... a lobster within thirty seconds of stepping into the sun? I would, yeah, probably. If I didn't put suntan, like sixty kids suntan lotion on. <laughs> or do you use the baby oil? I don't use the baby oil. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you right now, my, my son, pound for pound, probably the best tan I've ever seen. Oh, is he? Legit, legit. It's, the, it's the, the Scandinavian. It's the Scandinavian, yeah. It's, the, it's all the, the, the sunlight that they get like eight weeks of the year there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like carbs. Your body just absorbs it. <sighs> the, the Jimmy shoes, that was Matt, though. You're, you're don't have Matt. the Jimmy shoes. That's that was Matt. Matt was ripping, like, kind of like you guys are on one something I was wearing. And I looked down, and of course, I know the brand, but um, he's wearing Jimmy Choo's, and they're not Jimmy Shoes, they're the Jimmy Choo's. Choo's? Choo's. Is that, so, that, that the knockoff variation? Of <laughs> it's, it's Aaron's version. <laughs> but anyways, these, these runners probably, I know my wife, my wife loves Jimmy Choo high heels, so the, and it's known that those things are about a thousand bucks a pair. So I know that Matt's Jimmy Choo's men's runners are probably about 800 bucks. And he was ripping on me about how much I spent on something. I look at his shoes. I'm like, shut up. Like, <laughs> you have no right to speak right now. Oh, man. That was a good listen, trip. <laughs> I, I'm, listen, no matter what Aaron says, you can wear whatever European carry all you want, okay? Don't let that man get to you. No, man. Speedos are cool. <laughs> so um another thing because we talked about as far as like you were like highly involved with again you were more self-defense and then obviously kind of more moving into the hobson series is more of like the style that hobson's playing and going from there like where do you kind of see the sport moving now especially where it's been more sport related compared to self-defense it well, it is a segregation, definitely, right? Like you have, you have two worlds, and then I think some people live in one or the other, and some people blend them. And it's the world of kind of like the Hickson-esque, Matt Thornton, you know, heavy self-defense. It's not about no. It's about no time limits and sub only and surviving. You know, the streets of Rio de Janeiro, kind of how it was originally intended. Um, and then you've got the, you know, perfect example, in my opinion, is like the Meow Brothers, um, you know, Keenan with his lapel guards and worm guards and, you know, the Barambolo. So very sport oriented. You'd use it in the street, in my opinion. You're going to get your teeth smashed out. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a blend of it. I think, you know, I mentioned the evolution of the sport before, and that's exactly what it's been, right? And a lot of people lean to one side and they get mad at the other. But in my opinion, it's, it's a beautiful thing that it's evolving and, and people can decide what they want to do with it. Right. Like now there's sport jujitsu and then there's self-defense kind of MMA style jujitsu. And depending what you want to get out of it, go do it. And if you want a bit of both, find a gym that does both. And if you want to, a gym that's more heavy sport. And, and then like Marco was talking about it too. Like if you want to get into the sport, get into the competition class. And if you want to do, you know, the self-defense aspect of it, do, you know, the, the, the leisurely class. So 
Um, I think having self-defense as a foundation when you're talking about being well-rounded in the roots of jujitsu, what it's, you know, originally intended for, what it's still intended for, and then also branching off into the sport. Um, I'm a believer that one helps the other and vice versa. And um, it's an offer, man. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, you're offering a service, you're offering an education really. And it depends who your demographic is. If they are somebody, if you're heavy into the self-defense and that's what they want, they're going to come to you. If you're healthy and heavy into the sport and that's what they want, they're going to come to you. And if you're a hybrid or your curriculum kind of entails both, um, you know, be it maybe on the self-defense on the front end of it and sport on the back end of it, uh, there's a market for everything, right? So look at how many different karates there are and look at how many different, you know, styles of martial arts there are in general. It's, uh, it depends what you want. Um, I'm a big believer in self-defense because I told you guys I, I got into martial arts because I always had that initial gut instinct of a flight, right? I didn't want altercation and I didn't like that. Um, and I wanted to overcome that. And, and I think ultimately when Mark Bocek turned a kid, turned me into a pretzel to me, that proved the effectiveness of it. If I wanted to take striking at him, I couldn't do it. Right. And that, so that was my desire. And then as I, you know, fell in love with, with the art and the sport, um, I wanted to also get better at, at the sport aspect of it, right? I was from white to purple. I competed like heavy, heavy all the time. Um, and I loved it because I wanted to be comfortable with getting uncomfortable. And, you know, I've, I think I've told you, Aaron, I, I don't know how many tournaments I've been in. I've never started the day without having that crazy anxiety, wanting to almost puke, you know, mm -hmm. running in the washroom before your first match. And then everything settles in, you kind of black out and, and you go do your thing. But, um, yeah, to answer the question, it's um, it's to each their own, right? I, I think there's a, there's places for all of it within jujitsu, and, and it's what you want to get out of it. And, and uh, I don't think that anybody should dictate what you want to do. I think if you know you're you go to the grocery store and you want pasta, you know somebody shouldn't be able shouldn't be telling you you should get potatoes instead, right? It's it's what you want. Yeah, exactly. I think at the end of the day, I think I think you and Marco Costa nailed it. I think it's, you know, self-defense is a very important part of it as well, but to each their own, I think if there's certain things that you want to learn and you want to pursue, like nobody should be telling you, Hey, like you have to, you have to do this and this only, like you have to play lapel guard or you have yep. to learn self-defense. Like it should be your journey. But I think also at the end of the day, like you want to root everything back into the fundamentals. It's like, what, what, um, why are we training jujitsu to begin with? Like, you know, and the main reason is to defend yourself. Yeah, like you said a key word there, right? Fundamentals. And, and in our club, we have fundamentals class and fundamentals. I get probably more colored belts than I do white belts. It's not about beginners or intermediate or advanced. It's about, hey, you know, Aaron, you're a brown belt, but you've you've done 10,000 techniques since you've really, you know, done proper bridge and roll review like you're going to go there and, and get the fundamentals back of it. Right. But mm -hmm. fundamentals on, on the other side for me is our kids program. And I believe, um, and we believe at our club that kids, when they come in and especially that like six, seven year old age, the, the, the foundation of their learning should be the, the fundamentals and fundamentals to me are self-defense base. And then, you know, the, 
the, the, the, the basics in terms of a bridge and roll, the basics in terms of being able to keep a mount, the basics in terms of being able to escape a mount, just those, you know, the major four or five positions being good on the, on the top and being good on the bottom. And then from there, that's when the kids start deciding, you know, back to the last conversation we had is now, do I want to go compete or do I just want to not go to school and get bullied or, and then that's when you start, they start understanding their personalities and what they want to get out of it and where they want to go with it. And then that's when you start kind of crafting that, that journey for them. I think especially like, which is awesome because you have yourself and Dave who teach very differently, but you guys work very well together. My, my, just from my experience with you guys, because like your style is a little heavier, right? Whereas very, we're hey, talking about my weight like, or my style. No, I'm not saying, I'm trying I to think you're talking it. about his weight and yeah, I think you just got your black belt pushed back another year. It's like, it's just different. It's just a different style, right? Whereas Dave's style is completely different. And you guys mesh those two styles very well together, especially when, as the group has been taught like two different ways, I think. Because you've got guys that roll completely different from each other. Nobody rolls exactly the same. Yeah, so what I'd say about Dave and I is we're a lot like that conversation of sport versus self-defense, right? Like the guy's an encyclopedia. Like he, he studies all day long and, and then pressure tests it and then applies it and then teaches it like – um, you know, we're two different personalities. Uh, we're two different styles, but I think what we understand and we realize is a, we respect each other. He's my first black belt. Um, but B, we now have that full offering, right? So when you talk about sport and you talk about self-defense and everything in between, you can come into our club and pick, you'll know by what night of the week you're coming in, what you're going to be heavier on. Is it going to be more of a you know, Davis is incredible. If you roll with him, his, his pressure for 150 pounder is it's unreal. And it's all like a lot of the, the Hickson concepts, um, you know, around base and angles and the connection and that. And then, you know, I love, I, I love self-defense, but I love sport jujitsu. That's, that's my, my passion. I get like, I'm in my happy place when I get to pull out a lapel and put my foot in there and, you know, play the game. And, and, you know, I think people get that, that feel from both of us in different ways. And that kind of rounds them, makes them more well-rounded. Um, and then, uh, you know, from a, a, an academy perspective, I think that our offering then becomes bigger and, and more broader, which is, you know, appealing to, to somebody who's coming in and paying for a service to be, you know, quite frank. I think it's important to have, you know, different instructors that have different takes on everything. And I think that's what you guys have. I think that's probably why you and Dave work uh, together so well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have Adam teaching as well. I have Aaron teaching a lot. And it's, you know, Aaron and I have so many similarities probably in our rolling style, but then crazy differences too, right? And then there, there's so many synergies between probably five, six regular instructors in the gym but everybody learns from one another and, you know, and then the gym grows faster, right? So if they find that one little tidbit of that foundational instruction that night and add it to that sport um, curriculum that was taught the next night and you, you know how to, you know, take that, incorporate it and make it your own. I mean, to me, it's not about <clears throat> you becoming, <laughs> I'm not going to ever be Hobson. 
the guy, the way he moves is like, like nobody else. Like, you know, between him and like a Bruno Malfacini and, and people that size are, I call them little squirrels, right? Like they, they go into <laughs> lines that I would never think right. of. And you know, like I don't, I'm not a, I don't invert, like I'll do it once in a while just to like shock Aaron or something, but like it, it, that's not my game. So I don't necessarily, you know, for me, it's not about being affiliated to someone or being, having someone as an instructor, either me or my professor and becoming them. It's about taking bits and pieces from everybody and making your own, right? Like I learned from white belts, blue belts, purple belts, brown belts every day in the academy. And I steal things that they might not even be knowing. And if something frustrates me, you know, I'll, probably because I can, I've, I've been down the journey long enough. I'll take that. I'll reverse engineer it and then I'll incorporate it into my game. Right. If I'm having trouble with it, I'm going to start using it. And, and by using, it, I'm going to figure out how to defend it better as well. Yeah. Like when we were at the, the hop, well, actually every time we do a hops at camp, I, I watch him do something. I'm like, yeah, my body doesn't move like that. I'm going to have to wait till the next technique to see if I can do that one. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's true. But what I get out of it all the time is like, I'll think like, okay, my leg probably can't do that, but that grip is allowing him to do that. So that grip is going to be beneficial maybe for me to apply it with my game. Right. Or I'll take, you know, often Hobson always teaches in, in sequences, right? So he'll start in a position, then he will evolve it. And then let's say he's in a closed guard, he'll teach you how to, how to open the guard and be into a grip control. And then the, after you go and drill, you come back. And then from that grip control, he's going to teach, teach a sweep from there that, that flows out of that position. And then after you go and drill that, then the sweep leads into like an arm bar or a choke, right? And that's what I, the beauty of it to me is if I could take one-eighth of everything that just happened in the last hour and apply it to my game, it, it, was, it was worth the time invested. Mm. excellent so obviously things are like touch and go right now especially with reopening all that jazz but what are some of the goals or like you know the growth of evo that you kind of have set for yourself or whether it's with hops and more uh canada like is there have you given any thought to that once we get out of this I mean, I'd like, to, I'd like to get back to where we were. I mean, we were in a really, really good place. Um, and it's not just financially. I mean, like, from stability, being established, right? Like, having a spot that fits us right now. And, you know, I've learned a lot of things being in business the last 10 years, the, the you know, the do's and the don'ts. Um, and I've learned that, you know, you need to get to a certain point before you, you seek the next kind of the level or, or scale, the scalability of it. So I like to get back to where we were. We were in a really great, comfortable position. We we're in a position where our students had the bodies to roll with. We had high level competitors. We had tons of older, tons of younger. Um, you know, we, we have what you guys were talking about on your last podcast, you know, those purple belts that are giving the 45 year olds a hard time because they're training every day of the week, which is as instructors and owners, what you want to see, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I've got hip injuries, shoulder injuries, and, and I'm, you know, not in the shape I used to be in. And a lot of it's due to those injuries and whatever the case is, that's great, man. Because when you can, you can get to that point where 
you know, the business is good from a financial perspective where you don't have to worry about that. That's when you can start incorporating the things that, that make it more intimate. Right. And, you know, if it's something from, you know, rash guards or new mats or getting into a bigger space or adding classes, whatever it is, it's all incremental growth and, you know, long winded answer. I want to get back to where we were uh, because where we were was in a phase where we were growing and, and are growing. And I just want to continue to do that without overexerting or overextending ourselves and making sure that, you know, we're always mitigating risk. Um, but giving the best quality that we can on the mats and making sure there's a variety of teachers, good quality instruction. And, you know, I'm uh, just like Danny was, uh, you know, I was listening to Danny on the podcast and Marco and, and my student, Matt, um, and, and very similar personalities, right? And you guys get along with very similar personalities. Like I don't have any enemies in the, in the, in the community, right? It's all about the betterment of, of growing the sport and spreading it and, you know, I see any, anybody you had on your podcast or probably you're going to have, um, I know them and we've crossed paths at some point and 99% of the time in a good way. Um, and, you know, we're all about being ambassadors of the sport. And, and to me, that's the goal is just to make sure that as we grow, we don't grow saturating anything or diluting anything in terms of quality or, or culture, especially culture. That to me is so important. And, you know, I, the biggest compliment I could have and one thing I'll boast about is, you know, I've had people like yourself, Aaron, you know, have life changes and come in the gym and they're, you know, experienced. And I know they've been in, in, in different gyms, either, you know, they're traveling and they're visiting a place or they've, they've moved and they've been somewhere else. And Mike, you've, you've come and trained with us as well. And it's like, the, the biggest compliment I get on a regular basis is, man, your, your guys are awesome. Everybody's and girls, I should say, everyone's so welcoming, right? It's you come in there, you're not getting thrown into the lion's den. It's, it's, uh, it's a humble place. And, you know, your ego gets checked at the door. And if you do have one, it, you'll organically get filtered out very quickly. And, you know, not through a mean way, but just through, through natural progression. And, um, you know, to me, that's the most important thing to keep growing as much as we want to, but also never saturating or diluting the culture quality or offering that we have. Very nice. Um, we took uh, some subscriber questions, all 10 subscribers that we have. And uh, one of the most popular questions, number one with a bullet, nothing came close to this. And the people want to know, when is Aaron Gall getting his fifth stripe on his brown belt? Fuck you. <laughs> um, I could give him a fifth stripe right now, actually. <laughs> can you, can we, uh, can we post that online as well? You know what? We'll, uh, when, when the day comes, we'll, uh, maybe we'll do a live on a podcast or we'll, we'll air it on the podcast. But uh, what, I will say is, what I will say is uh, Aaron's done his time as a brown belt for sure. Um, you know, not to, to inflate his, his head, but an ideal student, man. Like, I mean, always willing to help. You know, he does come in late a lot, but I call it fashionably late. I think he wants everyone to see how he tapes his fingers. Really weird, but... Um, I can't stop putting this sleep. Aaron, so Aaron tapes his fingers and it usually takes about four or five rounds for that to complete. And then when everybody's tired, then he jumps in and rolls. Yeah, does he and do so that? Does he do that? At my place, too? it's it's more like he takes he takes enough time for the warm-up to pass, and then he, <laughs> he ends up being done somehow when I say, Okay, take a water break. But no. Um, great student, man. Like pleasure having Aaron, jokes aside, and uh, 
big things are coming soon for Aaron, and uh, he's deserved all of it. Oh, he thank de- you. I de- appreciate that. He definitely has. <laughs> he, he, Aaron, Aaron's worked hard. And all kidding aside, when he, when he does show up for a 12 o'clock class at lifetime at 1.30, he does work hard. Hey, when you're the manager, that's what happens. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm, like, I'm, I'm on that. I'm on like that. CEO. I'm looking at my time right here. Uh, I'm looking. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's time to uh, wrap this thing up, Aaron. <laughs> no, but it, it's it's funny though because like especially with Aaron, it's it, it just shows you how small the community used to be and how big it is now. But like, technically, we come from the same lineage, and you know. I don't know if we cross paths or, but we've definitely hung with the same people. And then you kind of get connected again later on in life. It's almost the kind of that, you know, the universe having its way of things, but um, it's not shocking. You know, if, if you enjoyed cultures like we did that were the same in the past and, and we meet again and right away, I think you, you'll click. Right. And, and I think that's super important. And yeah, I know you guys were talking about the, the superpowers of schools and training partners and whatnot, but you know, like I said, it's the biggest compliment when you get somebody from those superpowers. And they're like, man, this is just so nice to be in this environment. And, you know, the qualities it's top notch. And, you know, I get to be in, in, a, in a room full of awesome, humble people. I'm not saying anybody else isn't, but, you know, gyms are different in terms of size, in terms of mat space, in terms of class schedules. Um, and, you know, we just wanted kind of that boutique BJJ kind of, environment and that's what we've created and I think I think it's infectious and that's what keeps people and we're we're the same way we're open you want to go train somewhere else try it whatever I'm not holding anybody with a gun to their head it's uh you know you're paying for a service you should feel like you you are where you belong and and I feel that wholeheartedly no you said it perfectly like it's it's all about what that person needs to help them succeed in what type of environment they want. And I think it, the more clubs offer the different types of services or boutique style or that massive training environment, those are available. Right. And it's just about the community really getting together and being available for that to happen. Right. hundred percent. Not being closed off. hundred percent. And I you know it's, it's awesome. You go to tournaments, you go wherever, and you run into all these, you know, old faces and, and it is like, it's, you know, it's not even a handshake, it's a hug and it's like respect. And, and that's changed a lot over the years and for the better. And, and I love seeing that. And, you know, hopefully as we get even older and into the fifties and sixties that this younger generation sees what good looks like and, and starts emulating it. Yeah. I wanted to ask you though, before uh, we wrap up or anything, Especially with uh, UFC, because I know you're a UFC guy and you love watching them. What do you think of Fight Island? I don't know what to think yet. I think it's Mortal Kombat on steroids. It's going to be amazing. It, it, it is, it's so fundamentally wrong and right in different ways. I, That's, I why. <laughs> That's why. You're like, we shouldn't be doing this. But I want but it. It's except, but it's yeah, you want to see it. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I don't, I don't know, man. I I think, you know what? It all it all it all stems back to what we talked about earlier. People are losing their minds right now, and it's sadly a way to promote mental health. Like it's people need stimulation of some sort, and if if they can't do it, you know, themselves, it's, it's vicariously through somebody else or whatever the case is, but man, the, the things that people are doing and are thinking of that, you know, you could never, you'd never conceptualize before, but 
they're becoming a reality now just because of that void. Like, man, I, I today watched probably 40 minutes of a soccer game from two years ago. Like, I don't even really watch <laughs> soccer, right? Like, I love soccer. I love, like, national soccer. But I never watch normal soccer when it's on live. But I watched it just because I'm missing sports, right? So, um, you're, you're, I don't know. You're, you're I think Fight Island stems from that, that void. You're Say European again? and you don't. You're European and you don't watch soccer. Well, I, so I played all my life, right? I play like high level soccer, and I've watched like I'm Croatian background, and I love watching like World Cups and Euros on, you and be, stuff. You gotta like soccer. Then. I do. I love soccer, but I think as I got older, started having kids, I just don't have time for anything anymore, right? So like, if I've got an hour, I'm not sitting on the couch watching soccer. I'm, you know, I'd rather go hit some balls at the at the driving range or or go roll or something. So. Um, I think life just kind of, uh, you, you get dealt some things and you deal with them. And, and soccer was one of them for me. Gotcha. So when you see Usman versus uh, Gilbert Burns, who's your pick? Burns. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Gilbert's on fire, man. That guy, I don't know, man. He's, I can't he's bet against him. He's on a streak him. right now. He's Crazy on a tear. Crazy streak. And like. It, what's even more impressive is he's a he's a physical specimen, obviously. And he, you know, he was supposed to be at the camp last year. Was he? Gilbert Burns. Yeah, and then yeah. he had to bail the last minute. But anyways, no way. Um, he, so he's such a physical specimen, and his his grappling is obviously world yeah. level. But he's knocking people right out on their feet, and he's taking shots like he's got a chin like. Like it's going like the, he doesn't have any business in there. So I don't know, man. He's uh, he's really impressing me. He's a crazy athlete as well. Like I've yeah. seen like his strength and conditioning and everything. It's gonna be a really an interesting uh, fight coming up. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree, and I, I even more so love seeing the. I don't know what to call it, but it's almost the revitalization of of BJJ and MMA again. You know what I mean? Where for a while I think people thought like kind of. I would have, I would say probably Damian Maio was the last one for a while who was true hardcore, you know, jujitsu MMA, and then it's kind of respiked again. And you know, you've got like Mackenzie Dern, you've got um, obviously um, Crone Gracie, you've got Jacare, you've got all, you know, Derns, you got all these guys that are, you know, coming and, and dominating, right? Like not taking a shot. You got uh, Lovato Jr. just cleaning house and it, it's ryan hall as well yeah all yeah. right gary, gary tonin's coming up on a Tonin's coming up well. and he's, these guys are coming out of fights yeah. not absorbing one shot like it's it's impressive and and the whole you know we talked about sport versus self-defense but it's getting even more segregated now right it becomes a whole gi versus no gi uh it becomes the 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 rule set with you know reaping and heel hooks and and all of that and then all of these different venues now you know like tony was talking about uh, with the sub x and that rule set and then there's like ebi now and then there's combat um and then there's ibjjf and so it's it's really branching out and a lot of these a lot of these fighters are having to become like masters in every aspect of it. Right. And, uh, and then some don't, you, you know, you get Gordon Ryan, who is, he's a phenom and he is the, the best no-gi grappler in the world, in my opinion. Um, 
but he doesn't he does like he can trade and he has but you know it's that whole it's that whole dilemma of are you the goat if you're doing both or are you the goat if you're way above everybody in one like i don't know man There's, i just think that the sport's evolving so much that people will start moving towards that style of training and when i say that i mean they're going to pick one style they're going to go full into no gi um, you know, heel hooks, leg locks, that whole Danaher system and world and, you know, Lachlan, Giles Lachlan and, and uh, Craig Jones and all those guys. And then there's going to be the ones that are, you know, the hardcore IBJJF um, worlds and, and pans. And then you have your hybrids and it, it's crazy, man. Some awesome fights coming out today. I watched uh, from the Kumite, there was um, uh, Jimenez and uh, Roberto Jimenez and uh, Wagner Roca, and you watch that match, and that's oh yeah, it. Yeah, 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 it was Ooh. it was retarded. Like it's it's amazing, right? And I love you see a a twenty one year old kid like Roberto Jimenez or Jimenez, however you want to say it. You know he's fighting one of the Rutolo brothers, and that kid's not even a black belt theoretically, but like he is, and you just start thinking like he's been training for over 10 years now and he's not even old enough to get a black belt like what the hell does the future have in the story you know what i mean it's it's yeah. crazy no it's pretty amazing especially when and again i think when marco was saying it was like the, well, the funding or, or whatever these kids are able to just live in the gym train six seven days a week mm -hmm. have all these high level competitors all around them the sky's a limit for these kids, especially when they're only 16, 18 years old and they're blue purple. They're just being able to be around that atmosphere every day. It is. I mean, to me, it's a, it's, it's a delicate balance because I have three kids and all three of them, my two boys and my daughter, they could, they train in the kids class, but you know, do I want my kids to be pro BJJ fighters? Mm, I'd like them to, to get good at it. Um, recreationally and compete if they want but you know for for you to to fund your kid to train full-time at that age and not build other life skills because it's like any other pro athlete right the odds of being good enough in the world to support yourself and make a living and not only make a living while you're doing it but make a living that you can put away enough to retire in your late 30s early 40s that becomes a whole nother ball game, right? So there's, I get there's that living the dream, but there's also, um, you know, setting yourself up for failure or success at the same time, right? So it's yeah. it's touchy, but, you know, it is it is great to see that it's changed to the point where, you know, if the kid does finish their homework, they go to school and they're getting good grades, and then they do have that option to go train every night because there's class and they can grow at a rapid rate you know, being, you know, to your point, surrounded by those kinds of names and, and watching that level of, of skill, right? So there's a lot of variables to it, but um, it's exciting to see for sure. I think as crazy as it is, I think we're just seeing the beginning of this evolution. Oh, it's just surfacing. Just And, and again, with all of these different rule sets and tournament types, people have the ability now to kind of pick from the menu as to what, you know, what they want to go compete in and, and what they want to focus on and specialize in. Right. Because there's, there's a, an ability or an opportunity in so many different facets of the sport right now. And to be quite honest, it's getting to a point where there's a financial ability too, where you can actually get paid for it now. And, you know, it's not the old ways of, you know, 
go do a seminar for 1500 bucks and hopefully you've got another one in a month, right? Where, you know, people can start actually making paychecks and it's not just promoters making money off of it. And, and I, I think that's been heavily, God bless Conor McGregor for changing that mindset and saying, hey, if I'm going to bring you the money, I'm, I need to see a percentage of it. And you're starting to see that in like the, the metamorphoses and the EBIs and stuff where it's like, hey, you, you win this tournament, here's 10 grand, right? Like yeah. go to Abu Dhabi where the money is, is just, it's crazy lucrative and you can go there and if you meet the right person, you can make a hundred grand, right? So it's nice to see that there's an ability for people to, to get the payoff now. No, for sure. It's, it's unfortunate that, well, we see like John Jones right now, Mazadal, all these guys are arguing because they want money, right? And they're like, oh, no, I'm not going to fight until we actually get paid. So there's all these fighters. But again, they have no leverage because there's no union. Whereas like other sports. But they do have just- leverage because their leverage is the brand that they've built, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know talking to like guys like Claude Patrick and Mark Bocek and Jeff Joss and all these guys that were in the UFC and you, you hear, you know, how they treated fighters back then and, well, and exactly. it's terrible, then, right? Too. But it was terrible. Hey, you take a guy like Khabib or John Jones and he says, hey, if I don't get, it's not even X amount of dollars. If I don't, I don't need a, a fixed amount. I want a percentage. So if I don't bring in a good amount, my percentage is small. But if I bring in a good amount, that percentage will equal big, right? And if that name and what they've done and what they've committed to the sport has that big enough of a following to bring in the extra revenue, they should get it. 100% they should get it. So, so what's, what's your opinion on, like, why do they think, like, Dana is just, like, will not give percentages? Like, Connor, he did. But everybody else who say I want a percentage of pay-per-views is like nope, 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 nope. And I get I think I think it was also he was getting a percentage for the Floyd Mayweather fight. And I'm pretty sure there's probably some back end deals with the UFC and Dana where they they in promotion where they probably got a nice, you know, fat little check cut from that as well. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a monopoly right now, to be quite honest. And I think what'll happen is if he keeps um, persistent, like the, the likes of Bellator will grow and people will start jumping ship and, and there'll be no, or it'll become unionized and, and there, there won't be an option. But, um, you know, you've, you can't just be collecting all the money on, on everyone else's backs, right? Mm-hmm. If, you look at most, uh, if you look at most professional sports, there's usually like a collective bargaining agreement or a CBA yeah. where you have, like in the NBA, for example, you'll have, okay, a certain percentage of money revenue coming in goes to the players and then a certain percentage goes to the, you know, the staff, the owners, all that. And I think that's yeah. probably the direction that the UFC is going to go. It's just a matter of, it's still like, if you actually look at the UFC, like, and the sport itself of MMA, like it's really started mainstream in the nineties. Like look how long basketball has been around, like how long hockey has been around. And they've gone through the same thing with like unions and like, trying to get paid the, the proper amount. It's coming. It's just a matter of timing. I think getting the ball rolling. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a lot to be learned from boxing as well, right? Like how can you get two guys paid a quarter, a quarter of a billion dollars in one night? And you know, these guys can't make a decent paycheck fighting regularly for you. Right. So there's something to be said for it, but it'll change. It'll, uh, there'll be an evolution to it for sure. Yeah, for sure. 
All right. No, like, um, I wanted to take this time to really thank you for coming on to the podcast today. We do appreciate it. I know, again, like you said, busy at home. You got the kids at home. I know it's kind of at least an escape for you for like the last hour and a little bit. So I hope we had a fun time. Um, I also want to thank you very much for allowing me into the door, especially at Evo, getting me back into training and then everything that we've been through for the last five years, but also kind of keep going from there. So I'm excited to get back on the mats eventually. So. Oh, like I said, man, great to have you. I'll, I'll joke on a side. Uh, if I could have a hundred of you, it'd be, it'd be a great day. Ooh, yeah. Don't, <laughs> I don't know if you want a hundred of errors. I might have to increase my prices, but Hey, <laughs> there's a lot of extra strikes going on brown belts then. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to let you uh, wrap us up. Like if there's anybody you want to thank or sponsors you want to shout out to or anything like that. No, man, just, you know, thanks for having me. Like, um, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot this over to Hobson. I'm going to try and um, get, I will get him to, to blast this out to get you guys some support awesome. and, and grow into awesome. those triple digits, Briars. Uh, we're going to get over 10 <laughs> viewers for sure. Uh, nice. No, but I love what you guys are doing and uh, two good guys that everybody gets along with. And, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a good vibe and, and I love what you guys are doing and, and just keep up the good work and wherever I can help more than happy. And, Briars, anytime you want to come train, arms wide open, man. Yeah, I'm down. I've been by to visit a few times. I believe I've started uh, making some visits to your gym well before Aaron. So just want to yeah. state that for the record. <laughs> that is true. That that is, is true. That's okay. Good. No, and I also just appreciate, kidding. you know, what you guys are doing at Lifetime is great. And a lot of your students' kids are our are, are students at Evo. So yeah, I appreciate that. And, and I love all the synergies and – and I love Marco's closing question for you guys on the last podcast. You might want to run Gracie. <laughs> Does Hobson have like a secret brother that we don't know of? That you never know in Brazil, lineage? man, but it's all, it's all good. No, guys, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're doing a great job, and I'd love to see this thing explode. In any way I can help, I will. And uh, if you guys ever want to have uh, anyone from our place or myself back, more than uh, happy to do it. It's uh, always a good time. Definitely, yeah, 100%. Definitely. Cool. Absolutely. All right, guys. All right. Thank you so night. much. Thanks again. Thank Bye you for uh, coming on with us tonight.